Hello and welcome to another episode in the Super Learning Professionals Interviewer Series. Today I'm joined by Jesse Desjardins. Jesse is an uh, experienced designer and he works with brands and governments around their experience design. Welcome Jesse. Tell me a bit about experience design, like what are the skills required for that and what does it entail? I work with a lot of travel brands, especially like tourism boards. And they're going through a lot of change, I guess like the past couple of years also too, not just with social media, but with new ways of creating content to promote their destinations. So I tend to build systems with these tourism boards that do create a better experience for the end user. So whether it's like they're researching the destination, whether they're in the destination itself or, or after when they're talking about it. So it's, it's a lot of it is like really understanding this new consumer behavior, like before, during and after their trip and then designing systems around that. It's quite an interesting area. Can you tell me a bit more about the journey, how you got into that and how you decided that was a, the, the right fit for your skills? I went to Australia as a backpacker probably in 2011, maybe around there, or maybe earlier, no, much earlier, 2006, and fell in love with the country. And then I started working at these internet cafes and basically realized there's like a lot of travelers who are using these internet cafes every single day to communicate back home. And there's this new behavior for travelers, you know, leaving their, their Lonely Planet guides behind and, and moving to MySpace and ultimately kind of Facebook. And I started working for that chain of internet cafes. And then we basically were able to prove and see this data that was being collected, like the, the behaviors that were happening like around us. And then so I would speak a lot to tourism boards and, and airports and governments. And eventually that led with a role with Tourism Australia. And then so that was like very early days in social media around 2011. And then so I started like the at Australia social profiles, like the Instagram account and the Australia Facebook page, which was very small at the time. But then we grew it to basically the biggest social profiles in, in travel in, in the world. And what was quite unique about that is like we were such a small team that managed these massive profiles of multi-million uh, followers. But we were able to do it in a very organized way that would get over like 4,000 submissions coming to us every single day from people who lived in Australia, people who were visiting and, and the industry. That, that's really cool. Can you tell a bit more about how were you able to run that so efficiently and what things did you learn and maybe try and didn't work out on the way? Yeah, I think to like create good systems, you need to be good at creating. And unfortunately, when I started at Tourism Australia, I was almost like at the right place at the right time with the right strategy. I think if it would have been a couple of years before, I kind of would have been too early and a couple of years later, it would have been too, too late. But I think coming up with the right model is almost everything, right? Like it's like very few of us can come up with maybe a handful of good models in our career that's really innovative. But I find that every time I've come up with a good model, there's usually been a couple of years of complete failure before. <laughs> so I was lucky that time I had tested versions of that model before, which Some of it had success, other hadn't hadn't worked that well. I, I had done a lot of work doing presentations online. Like I did a presentation, I went viral. It was called You Suck at PowerPoint. So that had like a few million views. I learned how to basically create a story online that other people take and then they make it part of their own and then they want to support you in that mission. So it was like all these like little things that I learned, all these like mini failures and mini experiments that I was able to put into a model that I actually really kind of truly understood. And I think that's the thing today is like, it's very easy to look at other people's successes or other brands and be like, I'm just going to copy that model. But it's like, you're copying the tip of the iceberg and you're not, you're completely missing the, 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 the most important bit uh, underneath. So yeah, I, I reckon like understanding your own models, testing and learning is, is super, super important. I've seen that 
presentation of yours you suck at powerpoint that's great like you sometimes you don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work right it's definitely not my proudest achievement it's I'm actually quite embarrassed about it sometimes. It still gets heaps of views, but it, but it just kind of, it was like part of one of many experiments that just ended up taking off and sometimes you don't know which, what's going to work. Just running experiments and uh, figuring out what works in a systemized way is a very efficient way of learning. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned is that storytelling has been a very important skill for developing this model and for the PowerPoint presentation, I guess. So um, yeah. how did you become skillful at storytelling? Well, I think to be able to create a good model that other people can build on, you need to be able to tell a good story, right? One of the things with the social strategy, specifically in Australia, was that in the early days, I created a strategy called the world's biggest social media team. And the whole premise was that our small team of two people was going to get these millions of people to collaborate and help us. And this is how they were going to do it. I think most people kind of when they're creating something like that, they tend to hold their chips quite close to, to them. But I was like the complete opposite. I was like, look, this is what I know and putting my whole strategy out there. Then it's like people knew how to help you. And it's like, it's almost like by having this like vision that's so much bigger, like it was like so much bigger than what anyone else had was like doing at the time that it's like the resources and the missing pieces of the puzzle like came our way. So I, I reckon that's, I think it's like 90% of the battle sometimes. So when we're creating something is to have the right vision. And in being able to articulate that vision, because the execution of like all the parts of that vision is is so easy to do, right? But when you're able to communicate what that vision is, then you're able to find the right people who can help you do that. And and a, a big part of that is being able to tell that story properly. I, I love this uh, basically like this building in public idea. Before it was called that, probably. Yeah, I've seen your profile yes. too. Like you do a lot of that too, and I, and I think that's what's great about this building in public thing is not only are you sharing what you know, but you're sharing hints about how people can help you. Exactly. I just say creating your own vision and like a really big ambitious vision is a very essential part of yeah, getting to a success. So do you have any processes or frameworks for creating visions? Because I, I know there are tons out there and it's like really hard which one to use. Oh yeah, heaps. I tend to look at what's happening a lot in the art world for inspiration, as opposed to a framework that comes from like the business kind of, you know, consulting mm -hmm. kind of framework type of thing. But my, a friend of mine, and one phrase that's helped me quite a lot is, is my first boss and a really good friend of mine. His name is Dean Jackson. He coined this term like 20 years ago called uh, who, not how. And it's actually, they wrote a book about it. Uh, it's doing quite well actually at the moment. But it's, so the most important question is ask who and not how. And it's like when you, when you find the right who, they'll bring the how with them. You know, and, and, I, and I've certainly found myself in situations where I'm trying to learn all these different things all the time, right? Like there's something I need to figure out, like I need to learn how to code this or I need to learn how to build this. But in the how, it has nothing but problems attached to it, right? Like I need to learn all this stuff from scratch. I need to like watch these videos. I need to read these blog posts versus if I go to the right who, they will bring the how with them, saving me so much time right and then they'll they'll have done it they'll have put in the reps they'll have done 10 years of this specific challenge that i'm that i'm looking for so part of the vision is to be able to attract the right who's who will be able to kind of make that happen and, and there's never been a better i mean you can go on fiverr you can go to upwork you can build in public like there is literally an unlimited amount of people who can help you execute on your vision if it's clear enough and compelling enough if your vision is clear you will actually be able to convince people to contribute to that as well yeah yeah. And the interesting thing with the presentations is not like even like you suck at PowerPoint was it was a way for me to, to understand not just how to tell a good story, but to give a story to tell. 
which I think is like the most important element of storytelling now. So it's like, I think most people focus so much on their own story. Like, let me craft the best story possible. But I'm always trying to think about one level beyond that, which is like, how is someone going to take this story and make it part of their own and share it on their own profiles and tweak it or remix it? I think that's when you start learning heaps about people's needs and, and, and their emotional and social needs, which is just as, as important sometimes. And, and I love watching that. So I, I work with a lot of travel brands where it's like we're designing the experience so that we can make someone else the hero. And I think that's that's a super important thing to be able to do is to design something in a way that makes the user the hero so they pick it up and they bring it further than you can on your own. That's very powerful. And I think that's also plants like the seed for something like potential virality, right? Because the user becomes yeah. the hero and then they spread it. Um, yeah. It's a lot less exhausting, I think, designing stuff for other people making them the hero because they carry a lot of the weight sometimes. Huh? It's, it's, yeah, I feel like a lot of influencers, a lot of creators burn out after a while because they try to make themselves the hero so much. And this whole online space is changing so quickly, you can't possibly be a hero all the time. Yeah. Are there some techniques or tactics that you use which make, make it easier for the user to become the hero rather than relying completely on your own story? I think like figuring out like the transformation you want to create in people, like people are, are here. I tend to, I, I always tend to break down a project in terms of what happens before, during and after. And again, this is something that I learned from my friend, uh, Dean Jackson, but like really understanding where people are at before they even know about you before they come into your orbit, what's the experience during and, and how do I really make this remarkable? And, and most people, they try to kind of create being remarkable at everything versus instead of really focusing on their one kind of key strength, like this one thing that we do is literally we're the best in the world at doing this one thing. So we go all in on that. And then thinking about afterwards, right? Because the people who are happy with whatever you've designed and you've made them look like a hero, they'll always keep coming back in return. But it's like, I tend to look at, at these kind of critical steps and before, during and after, and there's always opportunities to like turn the dials. And, and even more so when you can make this a system, when you can make this a repeatable we can keep producing those those results repeatedly and scalably over time. It's like you've figured out this model that just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger over time, which is really exciting to be working on. Yeah, that sounds very powerful. So one thing you mentioned earlier is how you use learnings from the art world and applied those in business, basically. That's called like transfer learning. A lot of people struggle with that. How do you take it from one world and apply it in another? I think it's just like this basic idea of like remixing that I think has been talked about kind of heaps, you know, it's, it's, it's being able to look at, at inspiration from different sources, but really understand like what's happening underneath it. And, and yeah, there's been, never been a better time to have access to artists, people who are making experiments. Like you literally have access to anything. Again, you can learn how to do all these different things. But to me is like finding that one person who knows how to do this specific thing in this style and who brings with them this like body of work that you essentially get the rent for this project is like totally mind blowing. And I, I live and work in Bangkok, which for me like is one of the most creative cities in, in the world. And it's because of like where East and West kind of comes together. But especially during COVID, I sort of feel like I've seen so many of these businesses transform. And, 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 and I think especially young people today, they're so good at being able to design an experience specifically for social. Like I live across the street from this, um, This cafe is called the Film Inspired uh, Cinema Club. It's basically this like cafe that's that's also a poster store, and it's all like film themed um, inspired. And it's like it's I'm like who thought of that? Like who put their thumbprint on that? It's like super super interesting, taking inspiration from those different things and 
And, and I feel like when you look at how things are merged together like that, it's like, wow, that's who would have thought about taking a coffee shop and a poster store, a movie poster store and bringing it together. It's quite, quite cool. Remixing, taking things from, from one thing and then combining them, but then figuring out whether that, that combination actually works or not. Yeah, I think it's important too. Like for me, I, I like living and working in Asia because when I was in university, I had a professor that says as a Westerner, if you decide to live here, it'll be one of the most intellectually challenging things you can ever do. And I didn't quite understand what he meant at the time, but I was curious to, to try it out for myself. And it's been the biggest kind of like slap in the face sometimes, not just culturally, but just how everything moves so quickly and, and you're not used to it, right? It's just so, as it's everything you know about how like your own operating system is almost thrown out the window. You have to work on a new operating system. So you're learning a lot as you go along. But for me, part of my learning journey has been remembering a lot of what I'm doing. So I'm a big believer in this whole building a second brain movement and being able to collect your ideas and organize them. And, and, and for me, like having my second brain is such a blessing because I can keep going back and looking at my notes and things I've collected and all that kind of stuff. But also like memorization, it's like we're all dealing with so much information coming to us all the time. So I've had to learn these tips and these tricks to be able to like m making it stick as opposed to just re relying on this machinery, these computers around me to, to do all the thinking for me. You have to be able to have it kind of stuck in there. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I actually worked a lot on memorization in a different context, also Asia related because I'm learning Chinese and I've been oh, wow. wanting to live in China. I did learn a lot of tricks for memorization, like yeah, visualization, storytelling, and those kind of things. And maybe you can share some of the things that helped you memorize, as you said, um, as well. Yeah. So I'm learning Thai at the moment. And one of the big things that's, that's been a huge help is when I would, I would learn, when a new piece of information would come my way, a new word or a new letter in the alphabet, I would kind of freeze because I'd have to like, just, I can't remember, I'd repeat it a million times in my head and still it wouldn't stick. But the biggest thing that's changed for me is being able to associate it with something that I already knew. So like mnemonics, basically, and every letter of the Thai alphabet I've associated now with a character, with a person. So now when I go out on the street, I can like look at that letter and go, oh, that's like the tantric turtle. And that's makes it sound t so it's like, but, but by having that ridiculous image burned in my head, every time I see that, it's like, I never forget it now. For example, there's, um, there's a soup that was served to me the other day and it's called a Mara. Mara is like a bitter vegetable. But to me, Mara sounds like Mariah Carey and Mariah Carey can be bitter sometimes. And, and so now I know that that's a bitter melon soup. So now I know how to say it. So like little things like that. And I find it's, it's radically reduced. Like, I mean, I'm so much more slower learning these different things as I was before. Like I, before I was just consuming all this information, but really taking my time and associating these stories with something that's already in my head has just made it stick completely. And my learning, even though it's like slow at the beginning is now kind of skyrocketed because you have, again, the right system or the right model around what it is that you do. And it's enjoyable. Yeah, that's so cool. It's like pretty similar to the system I used to memorize Chinese characters uh, as well. And there's actually a course around that which I'm working with for my platform. And I don't know if there are any Thai, Thai courses using this particular method as well, but that might be something uh, interesting to look at as well. Yeah, there's also a popular book called Chinesey, I think it's called, like a book yeah. series. And they, they draw the Chinese characters, but like in a really easy to follow kind of illustration. But I think that's the thing is whenever 
you know, we're usually here when we're learning something and then it's like, there's this thing, this journey that we want to get to. And it's like, we all have our different ways of doing it and, and whatever works for you, just, just do it. And, and again, it goes back to this whole idea. There's an unlimited amount of people who can help you build your own system and, and to figure it out. Yeah. And so I guess in both this business journey and in this integrate in Thailand, what has been your biggest learning challenge or roadblock? Asking for help, again, it goes back to this, like understanding who you are and understanding where your weaknesses are, but also understanding where your strengths are and understanding how to have a clear vision and, and how to get help. Like literally, it's just like it, it, every problem that I've had, it's been because of my inability to communicate a clear vision and ask for help. And that's basically it. There isn't a problem out there that someone can't help me with or someone can't help build. And, and I think that's what's super exciting. Definitely. And now it's easier to ask for help than, than ever before. Yeah. Um, and again, like going back to Thai, like I struggled for a year learning from a Thai teachers. And I was like, I'm like, this is not right. Like there's something not working with this formula. It's like as, as much as I try as hard as I can, it's still not sticking. Right. And it's like their solution is like, well, we'll just try harder. And it's like, well, no, hold on a second. There's going to be something else. And then I met this like um, a mathematician who's been here for like 15 years. Who, who basically speaks perfect Thai. And it's like, what's his method? And he's the one who developed this whole thing with these letters and these stories. And it's like, just honestly, a couple hours with him within 10 hours, I, I learned the whole alphabet like, like this. So yeah, it's like, again, it's like, who's the who, who has the right thing that you need to be able to move forward? Uh, that's quite a big struggle at the moment. Because if you Google something for learning Chinese, learning Thai, you won't find those yeah. uh, resources. It's really hard to get there. So like, what, what's your vision how can we make it easier in the future to actually find the right who for the particular problem uh, that you are trying to, to learn? Yeah, like I find like there's, I don't know if you find this, but there's so much bullshit out there, right? And I mean, we live in this world where it's very clickbaity and very like, you know, every, every creator is creating content around how to do things, this whole self-help, like YouTube, it's, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. But to be able to identify, is this a really good source? Does the person actually know what they're talking about? Have they done it a bunch of times over? I'd like, I reckon there's like a small percentage of the information that's actually really good. That's, that's ready for you to do. And, and oftentimes you need to pay, you need to, you need to, or you need to bring resources to the table to be able to unlock that, to, to go forward. Do you have any, any ideas on how that could be made easier and how we could fix this problem? Basically finding a signal in, in all this noise. Yeah. I like collaborating with people, collaborating with people. I think especially you know, unless you can pay for something, you can pay for access. And that's definitely like an unfair advantage if you have the resources to be able to do that. But I think especially when you're starting out, it's like finding the right people to collaborate with. You know, it's kind of like a, the right the right who is like a one plus one equals like 10 situation sometimes. Like, here's what I'm trying to do. My vision's really clear. And like this other person here can make this happen. And it's by both of us working together that we create something really amazing. And, and maybe it's part of Western culture. Like I grew up being a very individualistic kind of culture. And, and, and here, looking around Asia, especially around the influencers online, that they just collaborate on a different level that I've never seen before, which is super exciting to see. So yeah, it's, I think it's collaboration is the name of the game now. And who can have the best collaboration? Who can bring the best resources together? I love that. That's so powerful. All right. So uh, thanks a lot, Jesse, for the interview. And do you have any suggestions for who I should interview next? Maybe like Cam, I'll send you a link. Cool. Thank you. Um, and if people want to find out more about you, uh, reach out to you and get in touch with you, what's, what's the best? At Jesse D, J-E-S-S-E-D-E-E -E -E on Twitter is great.
Excellent. All right. Thanks. Okay. Thanks so much for the interview, Jesse. No worries. See yeah. you. Bye.